I so appreciate Pastor Jimmy, and I've been praying for your ministry together with him and with Andrea. Let's go and look at God's Word if we can this morning, and we'll be looking at Matthew, uh, the fifth chapter, where Jesus has begun the Sermon on the Mount. We come to verse 14, so hear together the Word of the Lord. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. And neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before all people, that they may see your good works and praise your Father who is in heaven. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the energy crisis of the 1970s, when oil was precious and electricity was skyrocketing, the seminary I attended, Gordon Conwell, uh, sat on a prominent hill in Hamilton, Massachusetts. And on the top of the hill, they had built their main administrative building. And on the top of that building, there was a spire with a cross that had a neon light. And so every day you could look up and see the cross on the, on the hill very prominently. And at night you could see the cross shining very brightly into the darkness. Well, in this energy crisis, they began to think if we turned off that cross, we could save a little bit of uh, money in our energy bill. And so they decided to turn off when everybody went to sleep at night and you could still see the cross in the day. It disappeared in the dark. A few days after making this decision, a call came in to the seminary switchboard. Hello, this is Logan International Control Tower. Can I speak to someone about the cross that you used to light on the top of your hill? Uh, yes, said the switchboard attendant, a little nervous. What would you like to uh, tell us? Well, he said, I'm wondering if you have some work going on. We've noticed the cross isn't on anymore. And it happens to be a turning point that we give our pilots to turn south so they can head towards our airport on dark nights. Is it possible that it could be relit after you're done working on it or whatever you're doing? Well, of course the seminary was willing to turn the light back on. I mean, who wants to be accused of letting the lights go out uh, on the cross? Who wouldn't want to help pilots get their passengers safely in to their landing point at night? You see, on a dark night, nothing shines out uh, from a hill like the light that's already up there. Jesus was sharing that because what was true in his day is still true in our day. That you notice light from a distance, that you need light to uh, teach you where there's hope and where there's help. And so Jesus said, we are to be the light of the world. Who exactly is to be the light of the world? Well, not just us as individuals. Jesus used the plural, you, my disciples, my followers. You're to be the light of the world. You're to be the visible and attractive folks of God so that people know that God is still here, that God is at work in their midst. And they will thank God when you shine that light and make a difference in their world. What does this light look like? It arrives in the form of our good works or good deeds. It's our positive contribution to the misery and the messes that we step into in this world and make a difference in. You know, doing our, our good deeds for God 
doing the work of God in the world today is something that Christians can sometimes overlook. We hear a lot of preaching about the love of God and the grace of God and the forgiveness of God, and those are wonderful gospel truths. But don't we also believe that God has loved us and forgiven us and saved us for a purpose? Does God not have a plan for why he redeemed us and has restored us into community with one another? The Apostle Paul wrote to the church in, in Ephesus in chapter 2 and said this, It's by grace that you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. But we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which he prepared in advance for us to do. What Paul and Jesus are both saying, if the gospel has gotten a hold of you, if you're freed from your sins by Christ's great good work, his death on the cross and his resurrection, then we have a purpose or a duty to light up our world, to be people of good deeds in such a way that people praise God that we were brought into their lives. And that sounds simple and that sounds straightforward, but I want to share to you this morning three characteristics that I hope bring this home for how we can indeed fill and fulfill God's will for our lives. First, the works that we're to do should be good. Uh, we think of some, someone who's good as pretty good, like, you know, he's pretty good at playing the piano, or that was a pretty good solo we heard in church today, or that was a pretty good sermon the preacher gave, don't you think? But when we use it that way, we think of something that's average, maybe a little better than average, but not outstanding. That's kind of what we mean by good. But the word that Jesus used here, and it's used a hundred times in the New Testament, is closer to meaning exceptionally good. As in, if you want to see a good football player, you check out Patrick Mahomes, or you check out Tom Brady. Those guys are good. They are really good. Jesus used this good when he said, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And so, good deeds, that we do, that bring praise to our Father, are things that should stand out because they're the kind of good things very few people are jumping in and doing. This word good really means something winsome, something beautiful, something attractive. I'd suggest it's also helpful and life-saving and morally outstanding. You know, good works can be simple. They don't have to be complicated. It can be like snow blowing the driveway of an elderly neighbor because we are capable and maybe they aren't. It can be volunteering in a nursing home because we have some time on our hands and could cheer someone up. Uh, I know a Christian man when he travels carries a $50 bill around and he just asks the Lord to show him who needs a word of encouragement, who needs this, this help in their life. And when he gives it to that person that he sees, he says, God loves you and I just want to bless your day doing something good for someone else. 
One day when our children were little, uh, my wife had all three of them packed in the car to go do a month's worth of grocery shopping at one of those big retail stores. So our six-year-old daughter, our four-year-old son, and our baby were going through the warehouse with extra carts and Deb did all this work on her own. It took her about an hour to get through the store and then she's checking it all out and she goes out to the car and she stuffs it all into our car around the car seats, buckles in all the kids and then starts a 45 minute drive home. What she didn't notice was that following her around in that store was a man who was in our church at the time named Matt and Matt was older, his children had left home, and so when he saw Deb leave, he got behind her car and he followed her the 45 minutes on the way home. And when Deb got out of the car, she knew she had you know, just a burdensome uh, amount of things to unpack, and she gets out and sees Matt pulling in the driveway, and she goes, oh Matt, Sam's not here, he's at the church right now. And he said, I'm not here to see Sam. I saw you in the store. I figured you had a lot and, uh, that you had to bring into your house. So you just bring the kids in and settle them and I'll bring all these groceries in and just put them on the kitchen table. That was a thoughtful, good work. That was so random and yet it was so timely for a tired mother that Deb and I still remember Matt with fondness 35 years later. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Jesus. Some good works are simple. Others are much more complicated and involved. One of the exceptional good works that Jesus' followers have done uh, throughout the centuries as they brought the gospel all over the world is they also brought education and healing by building schools for people who needed to learn how to read and write and uh, hospitals to help people heal common diseases that they found. Uh, I'm particularly familiar with one area of the world, Pakistan because my family's been connected to Pakistan for a hundred years since my grandfather landed there as a Presbyterian missionary in 1915. Even though Pakistan is largely Muslim, the Christians are still remembered with honor and thanks uh, because they brought with them not only Jesus, uh, but also schools, hospitals. By 1902, Presbyterian and Methodist missionaries were educating women along with men. You want to know why? Because when men were educated, the families didn't get educated. But when women were educated, the children were taught how to read and write. And that lifted many of these Muslim uh, families out of poverty. Thank you, missionaries, for this good work you did in the Father's name. It honors Jesus when we become a light in a dark place. I have a Muslim friend who proudly shares he was born in the United Christian Hospital in Lahore, Pakistan. Uh, he remembers the caring of those missionaries. Uh, I believe these good works that are done in Christian, uh, when Christians first came to many foreign lands uh, are probably more important than the cathedrals uh, and the stained glass and, and the brick buildings that we have built all over the world. I think these acts of service have a bigger impact in people's lives than a stack of sermons. And that's why the church's um, active mission work is still important for us to support in this generation. We may not be able to found the hospitals and the colleges in these lands today, but we can support the established ones that are already there. 
When we hear about the good that Christians are doing, it's important that we get involved because we, together, are the light of the world. One of the reasons in retirement I've decided to continue to volunteer with a ministry I served, Foreman Christian College in Lahore, Pakistan, is that it's been doing the work of bringing education to men and women, Muslims and Christians, uh, for 150 years. And it's taught generation after generation that the people who love Jesus love to open minds, love to open hearts, love to share the goodness of God uh, in any way they can. So good works can be simple, they can be complex, they can be local, they can be international, but they need to be good, outstanding, exceptional. Second point today is that God calls us to do good, well, let's be honest, work. Work is a four-letter word. Work is something that isn't easy. It's something hard. It takes consistency. It takes dedication. The reason that good works shine out like a light is that very few people are willing to consistently work on the messy and difficult issues in our world today. But if we, the people of faith and hope and love, aren't willing to tackle poverty and homelessness, who will? I once heard the former head of World Vision, Rich Stearns, uh, share at a fundraising dinner that I was attending uh, the question that he was asked. He said, someone asked him, you know, why can't we solve the problems of hunger and poverty? It's, it's not rocket science, is it? And his reply was, well, actually, it is about as complicated as rocket science. Not only are you against, against, up against uh, trying to grow the crops and trying to share the resources with the people who have the least, it, you're actually up against climate change and terrorists and corruption at every level of government. You've got greed, lack of education, racial discrimination, and other systemic problems, malnutrition. It is quite challenging. It does take dedication and hard work. Look, if we the people of Jesus will not tackle tough things like prejudice and injustice, who will? What's the old coaching line? When the going gets tough, it's the tough that get going. It's easy to let the world drift into what's evil, into what's corrupt. It's hard to build that city on a hill that stands out for what is good and right and true. But we are the people who follow the Savior. And we have the power in Christ to roll up our sleeves and be willing, with God's help, to meet the needs of those around us. Each body of believers needs to figure out how they can be a light in the world that God has placed them. Uh, one church that I served opens its doors one night when a fire in the dead of winter burned out an apartment building and 17 families were left on the street. Another pastor who saw this teamed up with our church and our churches worked together. We fed those people, we housed those people. The Red Cross showed up and they were amazed that they were already being taken care of. And we found out uh, eventually we could raise enough funds to give everybody their first month's rent check to get them in a new home. When you just say that we will help, God brings others to help you as well. Some churches start a daycare or a nursery school as a good work that the town appreciates. 
Educating children with Christian love is absolutely transformative, but let's face it, it's not easy to start a school. It's not even easy to get a school certified. It's not easy to keep a school running. You've got to have teachers, you've got to have facilities, you've got to keep those facilities in good shape. Uh, it takes a lot of effort, believe me. But find out what it is you can do for your community. Find out how you can do it together and serve the Lord in a good way. Sometimes just being the church, just being that light that's still on, means that people will come and turn to you at their darkest moments. And so keep doing that hard work of keeping the lights on, keeping the staff paid, keeping the gospel going, keeping songs of faith being sown in each generation. Give locally and serve internationally and locally as well. Let us be as devoted to Christ as he was to us. Let us do these good works so that the church can bring the gospel in word and deed. Well, our Heavenly Father called us to something good. He called us to something that's work. And Jesus said it has a singular purpose. Not that we would be praised, not that we would be remembered, but that they would give glory and thanks to God who put us right in the path of the needy. Think about this. Which has had a greater impact in your life? Good advice or a good deed at a time of need? Jesus didn't tell us to give good speeches. We don't have to be intelligent and eloquent. Uh, we just need to be responsive and do the good in our troubled world that we can do today. And I believe our deeds will be long remembered, far beyond our words or bits of advice. I believe our acts of kindness have a greater impact than any words of wisdom we try to share. When folks are fighting and bickering, who will bridge the divide? You know, right after Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, he then called us to do these good works so that people would praise our Father who's in heaven. Don't you think one of the best works we might do today in a very conflicted and divided world are to be men and women of peace, men and women of love, men and women of service? I think so. This past summer, the worship leader of the church that my wife and I attend was leading camp for a group of young children. And one of the themes at the camp was to let your light shine for Jesus. And they were learning that old children's course, chorus that goes, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, let it shine. And you probably know if you know it at all, it has these other verses, hide it under a bushel, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Well, as the week went on, the worship leader said to the children, I'd like you to write a verse. Write a verse about how you're gonna let the light shine as you go home. And we'll sing some of those verses. So these are some of the verses she said they shared with us, with her. When I'm being bossed around, I'm gonna let it shine. When my siblings mean to me, I'm gonna let it shine. When I'm feeling angry, I'm gonna let it shine. Or when I leave camp this week, I'm gonna let it shine. Those children got the point. Do we have an area of our life where we can let the light of Christ shine brighter, that it might bring glory to our Heavenly Father? When someone snubs us, can we let the light of Christ, our King, shine even brighter? 
When some good needs doing and nobody else wants to do it, can we jump in and let Christ shine in the way we serve? When someone who lives alone could use a visit, when someone who's lonely needs an ear to listen to them, can we be one who drops by and lets Christ's love shine? Like the seminary up on the hill, we never know who's watching us. So it's best to let the light of the cross always be on in our lives. Because folks need light, and people who walk in darkness need hope. And those who have had a troubled life need to know that there's someone still serving the Lord with good in this world. May the light of Christ burn brightly in each of us. Let us pray. Lord, bless and use this word from your word to bring light to this world today. Use us in Jesus' name. Amen.